say we've got it made. What up, bud? Hey, man! <laughs> if we can't have Mason with us in person, we'll have him in song. How you feeling, bro? Me sing pretty one day. Not today. Not today, though. <laughs> Just pretend I'm Eric Mason instead. That's a that's a cover of a very famous song called Isolation. Oh, that's a song that no one's ever heard before by our friend Eric Mason. <laughs> um, uh, you want to read some emails and listen to some voicemails? Because we haven't done that in a while. We got some weird shit. Hey, in our email and our voicemail. I think we should. Hi, everybody. It's the What It Podcast. In, hello, case, hello, 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 in hello. case you didn't know what you were doing. Um, we certainly don't know what we're doing. No, Just no, kidding. No, no, no. We do. Uh, we're talking about isolation today, but before we get into uh, some some pretty cool far out strangeness, we should probably start with some pretty cool far out strangeness. Emails as we do. first or voicemails first? So just really quick, uh, for those of you who don't know, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. We have listeners uh, leaving us voicemails on the regular. Sometimes Spencer and I accidentally answer our phones, and uh, that's that's. Uh, that's I, I took listener. Skype off my phone so I wouldn't. So that you wouldn't do yeah. that anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Scared the shit out of somebody once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, you're a real person in the world. Uh, you can also oh, leave us. Yeah, exactly. Hey. You can also uh, send us an email. We get tons of emails uh, every day from you guys, and we really, really appreciate them. That's hi at whatifpodcast.com. H I at whatifpodcast.com. And. Um, yeah, you guys can leave us notes or tell us cool stories because uh, we love that shit. Um, I have an email that I that I want to read. Maybe we should start there before we get into the audio content. Do it. Um, so we got a great email this week from a listener whose uh, whose subject line of their email reads, "Oh, oh, did you lose it? Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, <laughs> Daffy Duck touched my nose." Parentheses aliens <laughs> question mark. Um, I won't read names here, uh, but listener says Except for Daffy Duck. <laughs> yeah, there that's the one. Uh, listener says, "What's up, my sweary boys?" Yeah, the title is fucking true. I'ma set the scene. <laughs> Phen- phenomenal. Five year old me laying in my Wiggles bed. Yes, a Wiggles bed, which Wiggles oh, like <laughs> Wiggles like the TV show Wiggles. The Wiggles. I, I, I'm not familiar. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's a kids show called The Wiggles. That makes a Wiggles bed sound slightly less weird, but still a little. I'm gonna weird. go. I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> uh, my bed was right beside my parents' bed on the right side. The door was in front of me a few feet, and there was a mantle in front of my parents' bed. Scene set. <laughs> Got <laughs> Phenom- it. Phenomenal email. Um, th- for what it's worth, that was included in the text of the email scene set. I, that was not my color commentary. So on multiple nights, I would see a toy soldier or a gnome looking at things and walking on the mantle. They also look like holograms from Star Wars. I'd also see blue and rainbow lights outside the bedroom windows at night. Now the fucked up stuff. <laughs> that sounded pretty fucked up. I was going to say. Fantastic segue after coming out of something pretty wild. More fucked up than I would like. I was laying in my awesome bed. See, he's, he's like, fuck you, Spencer. My bed's not weird. My bed's awesome. It can be both. <laughs> That's true. I was laying in my awesome bed. There are a couple feet. There's a couple feet in between my parents' bed and mine. And so 
And so the door opens and Daffy Duck from motherfucking Looney Tunes walks over in between my bed and my parents. See, and, <laughs> you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? Five-year-old drugs. <laughs> um, I, in between my bed and my parents, I sit up and I'm looking eye to eye and he, it, they booped, tapped my nose. <laughs> and then he proceeds to run like Roadrunner straight out of the room. I'm 16 now, and I have oh. no idea what it was or if it happened, but I remember the Dutch. Ooh. I have heard I have heard to kids when they take them to make them more comfortable. Wait, anyway. Do what? Boop I, them on the nose or appear to be Daffy Duck? I believe... Uh, or both. I believe a listener is saying, like, disguise their visual appearance to something that's more comforting, like, more accessible. Got it. The and, old um, screen memory trick. Um... Yes? Yeah, it's Question a thing. Mark? It's a thing. That Screen memory? Mm-hmm. Why like they when call people, it that? Because it's a, a memory that obscures what actually happened. Oh, got like it. Like I saw an owl come through the window. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It was an alien. Got it. Got you, bitch. And the aliens inserted another memory. Correct. Of it being an olive, uh, an owl. An olive. An olive I was branch. abducted by an olive. <laughs> Yum. Mm. Um... Listener ends. Email me if you have questions. If you want to, lol. Thanks, guys. Tight, very tight. You gonna leave off that last line of that email? He says, "P.S. P.S. I make music and that new Big Cats drop was dope. Yeah, yeah, it was dope. You're right, dude. Shout out to Big Cats and Lydia for their new single. Uh, you want to hear some some voicemails? Do you think he had a dream? Oh, I don't know. I I think he was high. He was five. Well, <laughs> don't be a dick, bro. It can be both. <laughs> <laughs> guess. I guess. I don't know, man. That's a cool story, though. Like, email me if you have questions. Yes, many, but like, also, I'm I don't not know sure if, you can answer. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know if you know either, my dude. Mm. Um, but cool. Thank you for the email, uh, listener. I'm not going to say your name because I don't know if you want me to. <laughs> Jesus. I well, think, bitch, I think you ought to check your water meter. <laughs> Let's just say there might be a, a, a bit of a frog in that. Sucker. Did he say a frog? That might compromise your I can't water understand what Cam says. Services. That's true. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm kidding. Y'all, y'all be quiet now. All right, hush. <laughs> he said y'all be quiet now. He, hush. He ended that email with, all right, hush. Hush. Can we can we pull all right hush for a drop? Mm-hmm. That was for for every for anyone who missed it. Spencer had a water meter checker who referred to himself as fat and sassy last week, and <laughs> Spencer thought it was Cam in disguise. <laughs> so, sounds like it was. Sounds like. I'm sorry. Please hold. I'm gonna need some help with that one. What what? That was just, know, that I, was just our voicemails up. went off the rails this week, but what? If anyone wants to translate that for us, we'd we'd welcome the help. Uh, yeah. We got robots calling us in in different languages. How do we know what language that was? Uh, we don't. It sounded. How would we know what language? Oh, I don't know. Somebody tells us because they know Mm. that language. Yeah, I suppose. Um, this person wants us to call them back. We don't really do that in this show. Well, let's see what this one's about. Hey guys, it's Fidel from California. Uh, it's like 1 a.m. over here, but I was going to queue up some music before going to bed. 
Tight. And I was going through YouTube looking at some stuff from Sage Francis, and I uh, stopped on a Blackout on White Night, mm-hmm. and I started geeking out because down in the comments six years ago, it's Big Cat's Beats saying, produced by Big Cat's Beats, <laughs> and I'm still geeking out. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, huge fan of the podcast. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, Fidel. We hope you have a great day, too. Also, shout out to Spencer for putting people on blast for not crediting him on their songs. If you're going to, you know, rip and illegally upload our shit to YouTube, at least say whose it is. What do you mean? If you're going to upload somebody else's song to YouTube, at least say whose song it is. That's all uh, I'm saying. Oh, I thought it was like like the actual Sage. Like No, some, yeah, it's some doofus that just goes and posts other people's music oh, on YouTube. Oh, got it, got it, got it. I thought it was like the official Sage like music video no, or that, release. That would, that would have been funny. <laughs> you were like, uh, um, hey. <coughs> excuse me, Sage. <laughs> Sage Francis is a rapper for the all, y'all's that don't know, and Spencer has made some songs Holy for him. Holy shit. Hey. Uh, last one. All right. Uh, did, we, did we play Trick Daddy earlier? This sounds familiar. Mm. Do we have a serial Trick Daddy caller? Uh-huh. Okay, what's up? Shut up. <laughs> I hope so. I hope people continue to call in and sing Trick Daddy lyrics into our voicemail. Like, I'm in full support of that. Voicemails are getting weirder by the each. By the each. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, if y'all want to hit us up, that's the way to do it. Have you, ever, um, have you ever noticed that nowhere else is the phrase by the each used except when buying bananas at a grocery store or like not quite a grocery store, like a Target or a Holiday Station stores? I'm sorry, that's a real thing that they say about mm-hmm. bananas? Yep. And literally nothing else because it's the stupidest phrase I can imagine. I don't, I feel like that's just a computer printed some algorithm wrong once. First of all, each is what you're trying to say. Yes. Also, not necessary. (laughs) Try saying each a few more times and still believing that it's a word. Each. Mm. It already feels gross. (laughs) I said it once and now my mouth feels weird. It's like something a bird does. It's not a word. Each? (laughs) It's like when a bird does the running man. See, you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? We have not. Um, one last thing I want to say before we dive into the meat of today's show, uh, we want to give a big shout out and thank you to everybody who's, uh, tossed us an iTunes review lately. There've been a shitload of them coming in and y'all have been saying some really nice stuff. And we just wanted to say that we want to say some really nice things about you. You're, you're pretty and we love you. We hope you have an awesome day. Uh, if you, you want to do that, it helps nice. the show out uh, a lot. You can just, uh, head over to iTunes and toss a review in there. And, uh, on our 300th review, we'll, uh, we'll do another Facebook live show. Like oh, we've done we for that? each hundred. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Each, Damn. each hundred reviews for the show. We hop on the Facebook page. Uh, we pop it in the Facebook group. There's one of each of those. And, uh, we do a little live show and let y'all, Pop in, ask us questions. and At least until we have like a million listeners and then we're getting like a hundred reviews a day. We, I can't live on Facebook. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe that becomes the show every day. We just wake up and be like, what do you want to know today, <laughs> motherfuckers? And we'll have nothing to talk about because we will have no life experiences 24 ever hours since we were there. You want to talk about uncontacted peoples? Oh, man, do I ever. All right. So... This um this was 
halfway uh, a, a listener suggestion and a homie suggestion. Shout out to Steve. Um, who, who the fuck is Steve? The homie Steve. Um, Steve Steve tossed me a link and said, "Hey, you should you should think about this." And I went down a pretty weird, crazy, wild rabbit hole um, about this whole concept concept of uncontacted tribes. So, um, uncontacted is probably not the best mon- moniker for it. Not anymore, at least. Not anymore. Um, but by uncontacted, it's like, well, close limited to uncontacted. Contact. Extreme, and in some cases, extremely limited contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, not even necessarily contact as much as like outside world observation, maybe? Visual contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but not like any sort of exchange of goods or services or information or communication. Yeah. In some cases it is. Hmm. What do you mean? I didn't come across any of those. Well, like the Sentinelese people haven't had an actual exchange of goods with them for like 20 years. I'm not saying it's never happened. Got it. But I'm saying like there are, there are many who go for extended periods of time with just decades worth of just visual observation more than anything. Should we start? Should we start with them by the way? Um, well, I want to get there, but I wanted to give a couple more stats about the uncontacted folk first, because I think okay. they're kind of fascinating. Um, I know we've both researched this, so I was going to ask you the question, but you probably know. Do you know what the estimate is for uncontacted peoples? Again, uncontacted, not the best descriptor, but um, do, do you have an estimate of how many of those uncontacted peoples there are on the planet? Total people or like number of number separate of groups? Separate groups of uncontacted oh, people. No, I have no idea. Okay, so um, some I found this number varies, but the average estimate I've seen is a hundred. Which that alone is kind of fucking crazy to me that there are a hundred groups of people that are deemed uncontacted by um, by groups like Survival International, which is where I got that estimate from. They actually they do a lot to like protect indigenous people's rights, mm-hmm. which includes a lot of these groups because they're uncontacted indigenous groups that have just lived in solitude for. A really long time, um, but at the same time, I I can't imagine that's correct because Brazil alone claims to have seventy seven separate uncontacted tribes just in their country. I would imagine if you've had no or very little contact with a group, it might be difficult to determine a whole lot of information about even how they identify or which groups identify as one group or multiples or are aware of each other or. And that's, that's part of the inexactness of it too, is if you're just observing, there are potentially many we don't know about or many that we see in multiple places and how much observation are you even doing though? I mean, yeah, I mean, from what I've been able to see most of the countries that have these types of groups, um, whether it's a government body or some sort of NGO that does it, they do like safety checks essentially, um, on some cadence where they just sort of check them out, do a flyby and go like, are they still around kind of thing? Safety check is a hilariously dumb term for that. Hey, you guys have been here doing just fine for 60,000 years. We keep fucking everything up over <laughs> here. Um, we just want to make sure you're okay though. Yeah. Even though you've been around for, uh, you know, like at least 30 times longer than we have. For sure. I feel you. I though I, what I what I found from the safety check stuff is for the most part it seems like 
they are doing it to monitor uh, interactions with like poachers or uh, like land removal. So if people are illegally logging into the areas where an indigenous tribe is, potentially taking away their natural resources, they want to like, like, I bet they know how to deal with that. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they know how to deal with like chainsaws and like like controlled burns of their. I bet they do. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about that. Jirawa do for sure. That's that's real. Um, but yeah, so um, the most of these uncontacted tribes um, live in some sort of protected land. So most of these government organizations protect the lands of the uncontacted tribes. Uh, to protect them both from uh, poachers and land hoarders and people who might try to take advantage of them, um, but also to protect some of those people from some of these uncontacted tribes. Because as we'll see, um, being being uncontacted for extended periods of time, you're not necessarily entirely friendly to newcomers. You also have very different immunities than whoever you might be coming into contact with for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Yeah, so that's one of the biggest ones, and we actually have multiple cases of these uncontacted tribes having a first contact moment where a group tries to do a pilgrimage, meet, exchange goods, you know, do some sort of peaceable introduction, and it's gone disastrously just through an initial, like, set of handshakes and and meetings of a group of people one of the cases i saw uh dropped a population over the course of 30 years from 5000 to 41 people there was an uncontacted tribe with 5000 people it was um it was a collection of islands or okay. excuse me a collection of peoples that were interconnected in the um in the uh where is it yeah, the Andaman. It was in the Andaman Islands. Oh. So similar area. But at one point, yeah, up to the, they thought the group was up to 5,000. Damn. Should we talk about the, the Sentinelese and the Andaman Islands? Yes. Where are they at? Uh, the Andaman Islands are off the coast of India. Mm-hmm. And the Sentinelese are called that because they live on North Sentinel Island. We don't actually know what they call themselves because they haven't told us. And, and also, we probably can't understand them for the most part. They, yeah, I, um, I was fascinated to learn that in one of such attempts to contact the Sentinelese people, they tried to grab indigenous peoples from the surrounding islands in the archipelago. It's your favorite nice. word. It's been a minute. Yeah, I yeah. can say it now, though. I think. Uh, well, I, I will get to okay, it. Okay. I'll, I'll just try and sneak you, you it in You got to get later. it in yeah, flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got to get it in rhythm. Um, but they did take different indigenous peoples from the archipelago to bring them there to try to see if they could understand the Sentinelese or oh, communicate like to them. if it was a, a dialect or if it was a totally different language. Yeah, and there's been no ability to communicate with them. So the thought is they essentially have their own language that's fully undocumented yeah. and, and fully their own. Uh, their population is estimated anywhere between 40 and 500, Yeah, but because there's so little contact, uh, and because of where they live, like there, it's a pretty dense canopy. So even flying over the Island that they live on, you really can't see much of anything in terms of like 
what do their living situations look like and right. how many people could that area sustain and in what ways are they using the land right you really have no visual read on any of that yeah and it's it's also the north sentinel island is uh 60 square kilometers so it's it's decently big i mean you wouldn't like you know just doing flyovers of that you're not going to be able to see the whole thing from one stretch kind of thing yeah um the 2001 indian census apparently included north sentinel island and for the official census purposes they recorded 21 males and 18 females so a total of 39 people. I just don't understand how they could do that to any, de- any degree of a, exactness. To- they, it's not. Yeah. It's a guess. Because, like, there are photographs and there is footage, but even in those, it's like you're only seeing the people basically on the beach or through the canopy. There could right. be, could be, I mean, as the ranges go, there could be hundreds more. It goes on to say this survey was conducted from a distance and may not be accurate. You don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Um, it's estimated that they have lived there for, like, uninterrupted for about 60,000 years. That fucks me up so hard. Um, and it was probably originally populated as, or through a migration out of Africa. It was, uh, yeah, They uh, what I was reading, they basically said as people were building boats and leaving Africa and going out the African diaspora into the world. Um, this set of islands, if you look at the archipelago, it's actually further, technically it's further away from India than it is from like Thailand and like Myanmar and stuff like that. Okay. It's just that it is an Indian colony because, or excuse me, an Indian territory um, because of Indian seafaring later on. Um, but idea being that people left Africa scooped around the underside of India and potentially on their way to Asia stopped at this archipelago and stayed for 60,000 years, stayed for 60,000 years, but they call them the most remote tribe in the world, not just remote in the way of like, they're pretty far from a lot of shit. Cause they are, I mean, it's smack dab in the middle of Bengal Bay in the Indian ocean, but also they're remote in the way that to your point, it's been 60,000 years that they have lived uninterrupted uh, in that space. Which, like when you have language and culture evolving in isolation for 60,000 years, like what what ability would you even have to communicate with those people? You mean because they are just so different and they're right like would we even have a common understanding of the world at that point to where like language could be translated and mutually understood i'm sure eventually it could but it would require incredible amounts of work because for all we can gather it's not like oh to your point it's not a dialect it's not like a it might not even even have a common ancestor with any of the languages that we use right right so we would have to go like what do you like hold up a hold up a rabbit and be like what do you call this (laughs) yeah but yeah even that like is influenced by your culture and right 60,000 years of uninterrupted isolated culture totally evolving is crazy totally and also if you've lived in isolation for that long think about how many things you don't have translations for right Think about how many, I mean, they, they only, they're a hunter gatherer society. They, ha, they don't have any agriculture from anything that we can tell. 
you know, I was saying the island is big enough that it would be hard to observe, but if they were cutting down trees to grow some sort of foods, that would be very visible right. from they, flyovers. They don't appear to. They don't appear to. So we know they're hunter-gatherers, but their understanding of, like, animals in the world is literally limited to the natural supply of animals that reproduce and procreate on this 160-square-kilometer island. We think. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I don't, we don't know for sure that no one has ever left and come back or True. no one has ever joined from elsewhere. Or True. We do know that there have been, uh, well, we'll get into this, but some exchanges of goods over time. But for the most part, they're living very much in in what they can get on that island. So maybe let's jump to some of those contacts or attempted contacts. Sure. Uh, How far back you want to go? The first one I found was 1880. Okay. Uh, and that was Maurice Vidal Portman. Okay. Um, who It was a British expedition to try and basically survey the island see what or and or who was there yeah that just really quick uh, i found a story from 1771 oh shit um but but not like a guy named john ritchie who worked for the east india trading company had driven by that island and seen lights on it driven sorry uh taken his boat <laughs> can you you could drive a boat right i mean not, steer i mean not I then know. really I guess there wasn't a motor in it. <laughs> he he gusted his way. Guided his guided his slip, <laughs> if you will. Um but yeah, Rich So they you're saying they had electricity on the island in the seventeen seventies? I'm saying they were burning fires on oh, the island and Richie slightly less exciting <laughs> saw it in seventeen seventy one and was like, Hey, I'm pretty sure there's What's up with yeah, I'm pretty sure there's somebody <laughs> over there. Um I just say that to say I think there was potentially some of that that influenced uh the the british exploration of the island too to be like uh we're pretty sure there's people there also there was a shipwreck that came up on the island about 20 years before maurice went there really yeah uh, in 1867 uh the nineveh wrecked on a reef near it and a bunch of people actually like went ashore hmm. um and had to defend themselves against the sentinelese hmm. and a rescue party eventually came and got them after they kind of separated themselves um so that was like the second time i think that people actually were like eh, no there's people there on that sentinel island wait are there two shipwrecks there or are you conflating two stories um what are you talking about is there a later shipwreck uh-huh i have it in 1867 the nineveh oh i guess there were two there was one in the in the 1980s also oh okay okay anyway uh maurice this dude from uh britain uh, was attempting to follow British policy at the time regarding, quote, unwelcoming tribes. Dude, this is buck wild. It's insane and the worst. <laughs> and the worst, yes. Uh, their policy was to kidnap a member of the tribe, quote, treat them well, give them gifts, and release them back to the tribe, hoping to demonstrate friendliness, because nothing says I want to be your friend like kidnapping. Yeah, right? They, uh, do you, did you see how old this, uh, Maurice Vidal Portman was at the time of this expedition? 20. 20! Yeah, he only lived to be like 24 back then. I mean, 
Yeah, but like. Also, that's not true at all. <laughs> no, I'm. I know you're joking that it was a shorter lifespan. Fuck with me, I'm yeah, right. That's that's what Marie said. All on college educated for, ass. For like all eight years of his adult life. I can lead an expedition. Follow me, motherfuckers. Let's take somebody. Jesus, Maurice. No, I want to be our friends when we're done. Yeah. So shockingly, that didn't work out very well. Um. They, at the time, they had been uh, observed just retreating whenever anyone would approach the island. So rather than, like, come out and greet somebody or come out and fight somebody, they would just go back into the jungle and wait for that person or people to leave them alone. Um, However, Mr. Portman found an elderly couple and four children... Who he tried to, like, he took all six of them and was going to uh, try and, quote, befriend them. Mm. Sounds like some 20-year-old logic going on here. The two elderly people died. Because when you're old and frail and don't have the same immunities, duh. Yeah. (laughs) Of course you do. Uh so this is maybe the dumbest part of all of it. After seeing the the two older people die, possibly from contracting diseases that they did not have immu- immunity to, mm-hmm. they released the four kids back to the tribe with gifts and stuff. Yep. And by gifts and stuff, I mean probably also disease. Right? Like, how... Every step of that plan is just garbage. It's very, it's very stupid. It's, it's an incredibly stupid way to go about earning favor with people, being like, I'm going to just take these people real quick, and then the, I'm going to give them back to you. The only thing that that tribe knows about you now is that you killed two of their elders right. and kidnapped four of their kids. Right. And then when those four kids came back, probably some people got really sick. Right. That's going to earn you favor, earn you favor, so to speak. And also maybe died. Yeah. So that's what Britain was doing in the 1880s. Brilliant. With the uncontacted tribes. Brilliant. Do we, this is going to be a dumb question, but it wouldn't be the first time I've asked one. How, how developed was our understanding of the transmission of diseases in 1880? I don't know. I would guess based on this behavior, not, not very. Yeah. 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 Um, it also kind of helps to explain why the Sentinelese specifically amongst these tribes were so vehement about remaining isolated and how and why they were so willing to like violently fend off outsiders going forward because they had this experience. Yeah. And that becomes part of your culture and your understanding of other people. Yep. And if that's at the, at the time, maybe your only contact with these, with these outside people. Yeah. Your only understanding is that they kill us. Right. They take us, they kill us. Right. And they don't have the same set of understanding that's like, oh, well, that flag is Spanish and that flag is British, so the Spanish people are going to treat me differently. Also, no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. But that's what I'm saying is like they wouldn't have the, they wouldn't even have the cognitive understanding of the world to be like, not all people are the same. But in, in the sense that we can that bad things will happen to us if we interact with them, they sort of are all the same. Yes. Well, yeah, What to what degree they understood that to be the case. Yeah, yeah who knows? They, they were accomplishing the same thing, yeah. So for a long time, there was 
little to no contact, or at least documented contact with the Sentinelese. Um, in the 60s and 70s, the Indian government attempted some what they called contact expeditions. Yeah. With um, several of the tribes that lived on the Andaman Islands, uh, the Sentinelese being one of them. They had a slightly more humane approach, which was to leave gifts on the beach. Yeah. Um, and then try and from a distance observe how they any reactions or to or interactions with those gifts and the their presence though yeah. at a distance. Yep. Um one of the people who led those expeditions and this like ongoing contact was uh an Indian anthropologist named T. N. Pandit. Um, and in the mid-70s, there was a documentary film made called Man in Search of Man, mm-hmm. where they actually filmed this expedition to um, go out to the islands, leave food and gifts and stuff on the beach, wait a few days, see what happens, film it, and then maybe, depending on how that goes, interact with the people. It's it's pretty cool that, I mean, there is actual, like, you can go on YouTube and watch the footage of mm-hmm. the um, the Nat Geo crew, like, throwing things overboard and, like, trying to figure out how they're going to do stuff. Uh, it didn't go great, though. No, the Sentinelese had <laughs> learned from their previous interactions and came out... Uh, Slanging. Came out firing two and a half meter long arrows at them. Which, so if you if you look at the photos and the videos, because I read that same thing, they have really long bows. Like they're the bows. I mean, they're they're known to be relatively short people, but they're like they look to be almost their height. Yeah. Yeah. So, but how is that? Like two and a half meters? What is that? Like five feet? Seven and a half. Seven and a half feet. Roughly, yeah. How like how is that even possible to fire a thing that long? I don't understand they the figured physics it out, of that. And they, they were pretty accurate, apparently, and actually hit one of the people. The director, no yeah, less, in who, the leg. <laughs> who was trying to film them yep. got hit in the leg with one of these seven-foot-long arrows. Yeah. And the, uh, they had to retreat yeah. <laughs> at that point. Okay, uh, film made. Time to go. <laughs> uh, the, the, the film crew uh, the, of the gifts that they left, so they were... They left stuff. I think the idea was they could like get through and put stuff on there quickly and then get the fuck out of there. Right. Because Um, unless there's someone on the beach when they pull up, they're not going to notice instantly necessarily that there are people approaching. Right. Um, And apparently they were like the people who dropped the stuff on the beach were police officers with like riot gear on or something like that. I didn't see any footage of that, but um, they had some sort of like armor protection in case they were to come get them. Um, but they left for them a miniature plastic car, some coconuts. Uh, why? Um, I think a way of being like, this is, this is what we, your island's not full of plastic yet. Here you go. (laughs) Here's some, here's some, wouldn't it be fascinating to know where the plastic car is today? Did they keep it? I bet it's in the ocean. Did they (laughs) huck that shit into the ocean? Uh, Some coconuts, a live pig tied, uh, a doll, and so... Wait, 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 wait. They took a live pig out there on a boat? Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds like not a fun item to have on your boat. Yep. Okay. 
Sorry, carry on. No, that's that's a. I mean, that, yeah, it's a fair question. I, it's also it's also good to focus on because there's a point to that in a second. <laughs> uh, a doll, and then they they brought him some uh, aluminum pots and pans for cooking over fire with. Do they cook? For sure. Oh, okay. Cook food over fire. I I had read specifically that the Sentinelese maybe did not. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That they just eat all their meat raw? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I had seen a part where they were talking about reports of uh, cannibalism in the group, but that was later found to be that they uh, they think they cremate bodies. So it's like at one no, point... It, it was... It was uh, so some people who were... Some outsiders came down. They killed them. Yep. And they had learned from the last time that they interacted oh, with the diseases. They burnt their bodies, burned and buried their bodies, right. so that to not contract disease or right. to limit the spread of disease. Yes. Yeah. Smart. They were not eating people. They were just Trying burning not them to so they couldn't. Die. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I don't know from a scientific standpoint how uh, effective that is, but they seem to at least understand what was happening. How I'd, I'm curious how. Do, do you know like how we would know that they don't necessarily cook their food? I, I don't totally understand how we're getting any of this information, to be honest. And I'm therefore not sure how accurate any of it is. Because a lot of it is like one little tiny observation here from this interaction. Yeah. 40 years later, this other little tiny interaction. Right. Uh, we flew over it 20 years after that and we saw this thing for half a second. It's just, it's, I, I don't think we can assume that any of this is totally accurate. For sure. And also, yeah, I don't know. It just seems it would be pretty, um, I guess it would be pretty shocking to me if like in the way that we learned how to have fire and food and combine them for better digestion and like all that stuff that, that wouldn't, isn't something they would have just taken on over time. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so to, just to go back to the Man in Search of Man documentary really quick, my my favorite uh, detail of that was apparently they took the coconuts and were like, these are cool. They took the pots and pans and were like, we'll figure out what to do with this. <laughs> apparently, actually, they some people have speculated that they cared more about the cookware because uh, we know that they've scavenged shipwrecks in the past because mm-hmm. they have metal devices and they obviously are not mining metal where they are so if they have tools or knives or arrowheads or uh, metal beads or things like that those are all things that we can observe but um, they wouldn't have been able to get that from anywhere else and we know that because those metals don't occur naturally where they are or are we saying we're assuming that they are not running mining operations that's yeah the latter that okay that there there isn't enough sophistication in terms of you know, tools, or there would be some evidence of mining if... Evidence that we would observe how, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But, like, mining, you have to, like, dig and blow up and refine and smolt and, like... We fly over them every few decades. They could be doing all kinds of cool shit. Buck wild shit there. Yeah, no, I suppose it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, You were going to tell me about a pig? Yeah, they killed it and and buried it. Oh, they didn't eat it? (laughs) No. Oh, they just felt bad for it and killed um, it, or what? I, I think it was maybe more so the uh, like 
the same thing as we kill him. Oh, burn this and, thing doesn't live here. Just to be safe, let's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that has. Yeah. Um, and they yeah, also probably smart, honestly. Yeah. They also buried the doll as well, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. That thing is creepy, I'm sure. Uh, I'm creepy, I'm sure. And Why'd you give me again, a little tiny person? Maybe potentially has diseases. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff probably did or at least could have. Have had, yeah, germs on it. Do we know, were, were coconuts known to them? Is that like a thing that grows there? So it's a good question. The The video actually that you can watch online that's snippets from the making of the documentary you can see him throwing them into the water and the people like going to get them out of the water. Okay. Um, so they were like immediately, Oh yeah, we'll take these. It seemed like it. Okay. It seemed like it was like, Oh nice. I'll take that. And they were like throwing them up on the beach and then going to get more. I just wonder if that's, uh, is that because they knew specifically what they were and they wanted more of them? Or was it like, this is a naturally occurring thing. This is probably safe. We'll f- we'll make use of this somehow. It's a good question. Yeah, I I I'd say watch the watch the footage to everybody out there and and judge for yourself. I got the impression that it felt a little bit like this is familiar enough for me to be safe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it was just like visibly enough to be naturally occurring. And being like, all this right, this is clearly a thing that comes from a plant, and yeah, therefore can't be doesn't have blood harmful. and germs yeah. and yeah. Uh, so that was, do you remember specifically what year? It was 70-something. 74 was the year that they went to film it. I'm not okay. entirely sure okay. what year the documentary itself came out. But that footage would have been from 74. Or yeah. That when, contact what happened in 74. When they went, yeah. So in 81, there was a shipwreck uh, that got grounded on a reef off the coast of the island. Uh, August of 81, it was a sh- cargo ship called the Primrose. This is 1981. Yes. So about nine years later, seven years later. Yeah. Uh, the ship was not in danger of sinking, but they could not move. They basically got grounded, like made it over the top of a reef, and yeah. then the middle of the boat got stuck on the reef, and then they were just screwed. And they radioed for assistance, but it was going to be a few days before anyone could make it to them. Sure. So they settle in f- to spend a few days just stationary off the coast of this island. Do you, do you know who was on board? Like? Like what country it was from or how many people were on um, it? You know, I don't. That's cool. Uh, it was a relatively small crew, but I don't know where they were coming from. Got it. Um, they decided to stay on the ship rather than get go to the island just I think probably because it was a known quantity and they had supplies and they would be fine for a few days. Right. Uh, they'd been there for a couple of days when a crew mo- member from the ship spotted a group of men emerging from the forest along the coast. Um, it appeared to be a group of ind- indigenous men and they were all armed with wooden spears, bows, and arrows. And the crew estimated that there were about 50 of these men along the shore. See, this is also why I think the the 2011 estimate of there being like 40 total people is bullshit. Because if 30 well, years earlier... I, I think it's, it's less an estimate of the total population and more like we counted 40 when we flew over, so we're going to say 40. Got it. Because we can't, we can't prove there are more. Yeah. But like that to me says if you just sent the 50 fighters of the island 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be equally or, that many women, maybe equally that many children, maybe that equally that many old people as well. Or they're like, eh, it's one boat. How many guys can it take? Eh, you 50 go. Right. And there are 10,000 people. Yeah. Like, I would, maybe I'm not, not many, really sure yeah, how yeah. we would know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any Any of those numbers are total guesses based yeah. on extremely limited information. For sure. So the guys on the ship uh, are unarmed and now outnumbered by these 50 armed dudes along the coast. This is kind of scary. I didn't, get, I didn't find this story. This getting is a little scary. nervous. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting nervous because I don't know how this is about to go. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm scared it's going to go. God damn! Yeah, exactly. Thanks um, for the move. The 50 men on the coast start getting into boats and coming out to meet the primrose. No, 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 thank you. <laughs> no, we're, we're good here. We'll be, they're going to, we'll be out of your hair in like once, just one day. <laughs> no, no, thanks. Whoa, I'm nervous. Fuck yeah. So the captain radios again, uh, a little more urgently saying, Hey, we could really use some help getting out of here. Our situation has changed a little bit. Uh, did they have, um, did they have like anything to protect themselves nope. with? Mm. They had like found improvised things, but no actual weapons or anything like that. Mike, I got a spoon <laughs> and a pan. Yeah, you know, throwable stuff. Uh, they sure. had they had one flare gun, which worked for a little bit. Oh, to be like, we got a bright, loud thing. Don't fuck with us. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck um, off. <laughs> luckily, the water was kind of rough, and the ship was kind of high. So the Sentinelese guys could not actually board their ship. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm imagining the, you know, steel exterior of a ship would be like, I mean, how do you, unless you put a ladder down, how are you getting up that, the side of that? And they were sitting even higher than normal because they were grounded. Oh, right. So you'd have to get, yeah, the hull was higher out of the water. And as far as they could tell... The uh, the Sentinelese, so they had, like, canoes, basically. Yeah. Um, and they didn't have oars. They used really long sticks to push off of the oh, ocean crazy. floor. I've seen this before. And so they also sort of had a maximum depth that they could get out to. Got it. Otherwise, it, they lose. Otherwise, they can't control where they're going anymore. Damn. So they reached the boat but were unable to get on. Um, this standoff went on for like a few days. So they're just like boating around them, shooting arrows at them and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> for several days. No, bro. <laughs> I like, no, I do you. really like though that they gave them a few days to figure it out first. You better fuck off. Right. Like they didn't come out. You sh- better fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> they didn't come All out. Right. Shoot- <laughs> they didn't come out shooting the first day. Yeah. Yeah. They're like. You know what? Give them till Friday. Yeah. If they don't figure it out, if their if their friends don't come help them, we'll encourage them to leave. If if they don't realize they <laughs> fucked up, we'll help them realize they yeah. fucked up. Uh, so they they call again. They get assistance by helicopter after yep. the second call, and they have a relatively small crew. Two helicopters. They get them out of there, uh, but they had to leave the ship and everything on it. And eventually, um, you can still see the shipwreck on Google Maps. Whoa, word? Yeah. It's like 
it's hard to tell because I didn't actually measure it on the map, but like pretty close to the, the coastline. And I don't, I don't know when the most recent satellite data was from probably within the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's all like rusted out and you can kind of see through parts of it because it's been sitting there for 30 some years now. Whoa. 37, depending on when that satellite image is from. But they most, like all the cargo was still on board. Everything. So the Sentinelese probably at some point took a lot of that stuff and salvaged a lot of whatever was on it. I couldn't find anywhere like what type of cargo they were carrying. I was going to say that that because that could, I mean, hypothetically, that could fucking could change a lot. Well, and even the raw materials. I yeah. mean, even if you just essentially scrap a, a cargo ship. That's enough metal to be like, I mean... A lot. It's enough of a lot of the things to go <laughs> a long way. Yeah, I mean, I guess especially if you know, if you know what to do with some of it. I wonder, um, or you do what you want to do yeah, with it. You whatever. Get, you get creative. Right. Right. I mean, more like, well, if there's a bunch of oil in there, like fuel would be potentially valuable. But if you know what oil is and or you figure, it figure out. out new things to do with it. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> Apparently this happens when this happens. Um, that's fucking fascinating, man. How is that financially viable or responsible for a company to be like, yeah, let's just fucking leave it. Well, because you're going to die otherwise. What do you mean? You got to go fight some people for it if you want it back. No, I'm I'm saying if they got like if they got a big tanker and came back and like hooked some chains to that motherfucker and just towed it out, you don't think that's a thing that they could do without maybe? I don't know. I mean a cargo ship full of cargo, that's got to be millions of dollars worth of equipment and like shit. Maybe? I guess I also don't yeah, I I guess maybe international cargo shipping companies are also like fucking eat your losses and carry on. And I'm sure there's gotta be some amount of loss just factored into that business inherently. Yeah. And like people with seven foot long arrows and spears are, man, we go ahead and write that off as a loss this year on our taxes. You know, like, Hey man, go get our cargo. You go get your cargo. <laughs> our, we'll let I've our... seen what happens when I'm near that cargo. I think I would just let my accountant figure that one out yeah, and yeah. leave that shit where it is. Yeah. Um, well, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I, I'll put a link to the uh, to the, the Google Maps. Also, uh, in the process of this, I discovered a cool website called Weird Google Earth that just shows you weird shit you can see on Google Earth. No way. Is mm-hmm. it just legit like... Uh, actual links to the latitude and longitude of certain stuff. Yeah, and like a screenshot, like in the middle of some desert, someone spelled out Fred. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Using shipping containers. What? It's pretty. It's a big Fred. That's humongous. Mm-hmm. I mean, a a shipping container. Wow. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's a good time. There's a there's a bunch of weird shit on there. Maybe we have a new game to play at some point on the show. Weird Google Earth uh, examinations. Uh, last thing on the Sentinelese, unless you had some other stuff. Um, I I just well I don't know. Are we about to tell the same story or not? The most recent encounter from 2006. Yeah, yeah go for it. So um, the most recent 
yeah, most recent and I guess the last encounter uh, that we've had. So the Sentinelese survived the uh, the Indian tsunami of 2004. Uh, we know because speaking of those safety checks that I was talking about earlier, they flew a plane over them a few days after the tsunami because they were borderline in the epicenter of that massive tsunami. Yeah. Uh, and they flew a helicopter or a small plane. I think it was a helicopter over them like three days after the tsunami to be like, are they okay? If that killed all the animals, what are they going to do? Hey, guess what? They still don't like people coming by. Fuck you! <laughs> Just shooting arrows at the fucking helicopter, man. We're fine. Fuck off. <laughs> this is still, how you know we're fine. Still don't like you. Fuck off. Um, yeah, so they survived They survived all of that, um, and that was the last time that someone had intentionally gone to check on them and see you know, kind of what their status was. Guys, need anything? You good? Yeah, from from an official perspective, What's I guess. What's up with y'all? Um, so two years later, in 2006, there were uh, two men who were hunting for mud crabs near the islands, which mm. I was not familiar with Delicious. until now. Um, and apparently, it was a thing where groups of boats would leave usually from Port Blair, which is the uh, the capital of the Andaman Islands, and go through the reefs in multiple different fishing boats with nets and traps and, and go basically go crabbing. So they would go on these trips and come back, and one night they had, uh, they had dropped anchor, did a little bit of boat partying, and uh, passed out in their boat. It said in... The story that I read, an improvised anchor? Yeah, I read that it what was... What do you think it was? I, I read what it was. And? <laughs> uh, a rope and a rock. Eh. That's a pretty good start. I mean... What shape is the rock? Well... How good are you with knots? Right. Which, apparently, none of those things worked out for them because their improvised anchor... Uh, came loose in the night, mm. and their boat floated towards the shores of Sentinel Island. It's not where you want to be. It's not. Um, apparently, the other fishermen were trying to wake these guys up. They were drunk on palm wine. Uh, Why are you being so lazy, my boy? Going Come back, on, man. Going back to the um, the. Uh, you okay? No, no, I, I, I totally zapped out, bro. <laughs> totally zapped out. You were talking about some fishermen being going back to the blacked going, out. Going back to the the uh, the drunkening of the night before. The boat party was the mm. phrase I was looking for, mm. and I couldn't find it. Uh, the boat party from the night before. So basically, these two guys wash up on the shore of Sentinel Island. The other fishermen are going, "Hey, dudes, uh, come out of your pass out. It's not where you want to be." Yeah, uh, it got a little. Got a little dicey after that. His head fell off. Kind of, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, they killed both of them pretty they quickly. They killed them both pretty quick. Um, yeah, they shot I mean, them with arrows and apparently macheted their bodies into pieces and buried them in shallow graves in the sand. I feel like at this point, it's your fault if you get killed by them, right? I, They've made it very clear how they are going to deal with outsiders. A hundred percent. And just leave them alone. Don't, and also, don't the, try and take their crabs. There the, are crabs elsewhere. We can all have crab. Yeah, those are their crabs. Yeah, let them have it. Let them have them. The Indian government also has designated them a sovereign nation. Yeah, it's super illegal to be anywhere over there. Yeah, can't There's go. Like a ten, it's a ten mile buffer or something, something around, like that. Or a ten yeah. kilometer probably buffer around the island. Yeah, um, you're already breaking the law. 
you're already breaking the law. Leave him alone. And they said, actually, one of the the fathers of one of the fishermen who was murdered was basically like, look, they flew too close to the sun. Like, they're not supposed to be there. He's he's like, I don't want retribution. They were even, some people were saying, how would you even go about it? Like, what would you even do? Go about what? If you, if you wanted to potentially prosecute these people for killing people, what, how would you even go about it? You can't. You can't. They're a sovereign nation. You have no language barrier. Somebody was like, what would we do? Just arrest the entire village and like take them into society? And... Also, that's super illegal. Totally. <laughs> also, you would die trying. Yeah, for sure. Or many people would die trying. That's yeah. the funniest part. Hey, you killed somebody. Let's go back and make them be accountable for... You're going to die. Yeah. It's not, alone. It's not going to fly. Fine. Yeah. So, um, turns out, after 2006... They've uh, they've most thoroughly been left alone. Yeah, and uh, as far as we know, they are still doing their thing. Uh, the Jarawa have been slightly less fortunate. Yeah, do want to? We've got a, a little bit of time. We want to quickly go through that. I think yeah, I think that'd be great. Okay. Um, so the Jarawa are another indigenous group living in the Andaman Islands. Um, they had no. Well, no or very little documented contact with outsiders prior to the mid-90s. Yeah. Um, there were a few maybe of those like uh, contact expedition type interactions. Um, the dude we were talking about earlier, T.N. Pandit, the Indian anthropologist, had a couple interactions with them uh, along the same lines of, here's some stuff, we'll fuck off. Please think kindly of us in the future. Oh, you killed our pig. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> got it, got it. We were going to anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I see Don't worry where, about it. I see where we're at. Um, so prior to 97, they were also uh, extremely and vigorously and violently independent. Yeah. They were not accepting of any uh, external groups or people. Um they also have killed a few people over the years. Sure have. Uh, they've since, I don't know about been integrated, but they've they've had much more contact with the outside world. And there's actually, um, they agreed to be filmed for part of a, a documentary um, a few years ago. The footage is fascinating. Yeah. And we apparently have translations of their language. Um yeah, I my understanding of it is that the the dialect is more traceable in the area and the way that they got in to do the uh the filming with the Jarawa people was they basically had I don't know, I don't even know what you would call them, scouts, like people who already had established super limited modes of contact and communication with them and kind of fed information back and forth. Here's what we want to do. Hey, here's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And kind of had a messenger go for, I think it was literally years before they got permission to like do this. So they're, they're pretty aware of the outside world um, for a, for a group that has been isolated for so long. Well, especially now. Yeah. Um, and there were, there's, an especially fascinating part of this documentary where they're talking to three young men from the, from the tribe and they're talking about 
poachers because there are poachers who are, will come to the island to hunt wild boar that live on the island. Yep. And these three guys are just saying like, oh yeah, we just we just kill them when they come here because <laughs> they kill our boar, so we, we can't them. have that. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, one time there were 10 of them and we just sneaked up around them and killed 10 of them. And one dude's like, I got four that day. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no hesitation, no, no. like moral objection. Nope. It's like, well, yeah, that's our stuff and they were going to ruin it and they were going to ruin us. So yeah. yeah, we kill those guys when they come here. Yeah. Um, it's, it is fascinating. The level of just, it's just factual to them. It's mm-hmm. not problematic. It's not, they're not guilt. They're not guilt ridden over any of it. It's but just also like, not like, uh, celebrating it. No. It's just straight factual. Like, mm-hmm. this is what happened. and Like, you asked this... me about poachers? Oh, yeah, those guys come here sometimes. And then we kill them. We kill them. Yep. And end of <laughs> end yeah. of conversation. Sometimes they kill our boar, so now we start eating deer. Right. Uh, the women don't eat deer because they think they're cute. Yeah. It was like, and it's, it's hard to tell with how accurate the translations are and stuff, but like, from watching them say the translations on screen, it seemed to... Body language mostly, matches. Yeah, yeah, mostly match up. Yeah. Um... Recently, they've had much more and uh, not very desirable contact with the outside world because yeah. um, there are a lot of settlements. So they have like a reserve as defined by the Indian government where that land is exclusively theirs. No one is allowed to enter their land. But there, you know, obviously is a border around that and there's no buffer zone or anything. It's like... Their land stops, and on the other side is something totally different. Yeah. And so they're brushing up against the outside world more and more often and more directly. And there was a road built through the entire, like, length of Andaman Island. So originally for trucking, right, to be able to, like, truck goods and stuff from, like, ports to other locations on the island? Yeah, within the island, yep. Um that road has now been uh, is being used for other purposes than just that and it's i think recently become just a totally open road yeah and people es- essentially started doing safaris to go see the jarawa so somebody would sell tickets on a bus tour to tourists to say hey you can go see one of the most Rare, isolated right. uncontacted uh tribes of people in the world just give me 50 bucks and we'll Mm. drive through there yeah and there are lots of obviously laws around that and lots of laws around uh interacting with or taking photos of or giving things to drama people yep it seems like one can ignore and or bribe their way out of most of those yeah um if you go on YouTube, there is cell phone footage of Jarawa people taken from these tourist buses. Yep. And it's uh, it's affected them negatively in a yeah, lot of ways. For um, sure. Their population is down to only 270. A lot of that is thought to be from disease. I'm assuming from interaction with outside people. Yep. Um, And it's just from a cultural standpoint, like it's changing their understanding of the world and how they interact with the world. Right. After tens of thousands of years of, of consistent isolation and, uh, 
culture, I guess. Right. Um, they also, in ni- so in 1997 was the first time that Drawa people were seen to be like moving outside of their designated reserve area. Yeah. Um, and within six months, there was a serious measles epidemic within their tribe. Um, and then again in 2006 had a second measles outbreak Mm. within their tribe. Um, so even stuff like that, like just by, we went outside of our designated area and just like kind of briefly cross paths with the outside world. And now we have an instant huge problem for our whole population. Right. It is now only a couple hundred people. Right. Yeah. It's, um, the overlap is not overlaps, not the right word, but the, the edges are really, really dicey and they get, um, it gets really, there are like some pretty serious moral and ethical quandaries about how, how these people should be treated. And, and it seems like the vast majority of sensible people are, are of the full belief of like, unless they genuinely are pleading for outside help, which has happened in the Amazons to due to some of the poaching and land, uh, land mass stealing that we talked about. We have had indigenous people, indigenous peoples leave their, um, their uncontacted tribal areas and basically say we're, we're dying and we need help. But unless that's happening, fucking leave them alone. Cause anything else is bad for them and bad for bad for us. Even that, is so the theory and the practice of that are so different. And I don't know if you can ever really have that situation happen because like with the Drawa, okay, they have reserved land. It's illegal to enter it. It's illegal to interact with them. It's illegal to put anything onto that land, all of that. And yet at some point, this side of the fence is theirs and this side of the fence is someone else's. Right. And there's really no way to keep those things separate. Right. Somebody walks up to the fence, you're interacting. Right. You're breathing the same air. Right. uh, From a cultural standpoint, they're now aware of buses and cars and people that look different and different languages and all the, like there's, I don't know if there's really at this point in our evolution a way to be totally isolated anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm, even the the Sentinelese people, which are about as isolated as you can possibly be, they are familiar with helicopters and cargo ships and all the things that just standing on the beach of their island you would see go by in a day. Right. And I think they're the ones who've been the most successful because of their hostility. Like yeah. they they protect their they protect their island at all costs. And the Indian government has done the same for them. Well, well, has, they eventually convinced the Indian government that it wasn't worth it to try and do anything else. There's also that. Um, I just mean from a way of like protecting the land as what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how that like that level of hostility is actually the thing that is keeping them most protected and and alive. I, it might be the only thing, honestly. Yeah, for sure. If you want to know more about um, some of the projects that are underway to uh, to help these types of people, uh, you can learn more at survivalinternational.org. Um, it's a pretty cool organization. I was poking around on their website a lot today, and they have some really, uh, really 
cool and interesting campaigns and ways to help act if it's stuff you you care about so uh we're gonna do a part two next week on isolation but we're gonna take a totally different spin on it and uh we're gonna go to space with our isolation takes yeah so uh y'all can look forward to that next week uh lastly if you want to support the show and you want to get twice as much of it go to patreon.com slash what if podcast you get a second episode every week of every month for just five bucks a month Thank you to all the new Patreon supporters. Thank you to you all for supporting and listening to the show. We love y'all. Love you, bye. See you next week.